Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Uh, Father, we just thank you so much for uh, another opportunity to gather. We thank you for the ministry of uh, Brother David and uh, Leah and Annie. God, uh, just thank you for their ministry. Thank you for them uh, leading us in worship, Lord. And we're asking, God, that as we look into your word, that it would be in a very similar attitude of worship. And we pray that uh, as we look through your word, uh, that you would give us uh, just a heart to love you and fear your name. Lord, we look forward to the day when we're with you forever. And in the in-between, Lord, we're asking for the grace to follow you with all of our hearts and to respond to what you're doing and saying. So Holy Spirit, open your word, open our ears, give us grace to hear what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, and yeah, Leah, you can use David's notes. I will allow it this one time only. <laughs> Charge devil next time. But I'm calling this, uh, similar to last time, just going to call it part two of healing the land, God's promise in our response. Now we're going to look at a familiar passage of scripture and just dive into it a little bit. Again, I touched on this last week, but I felt like the Lord sort of said, say that again in a little different way. Um, I put this on notes uh, last week. I just kind of had some things written in my notebook, but this week I've got notes. But just trying to help us grasp what I believe the Lord is indicating right now. And I'm looking at this through the lens of the Second Chronicle passage, but really my heart is to connect us to really this this idea that God works this way. God is interested in healing geographic areas. And if we respond like he wants us to, he will do what he has promised in Scripture. Now, I'm going to teach out of the Old Testament passage that's very specific to Solomon, but I would consider the Acts 1 and 2 the New Testament version. It's just that we always use this verse when we talk about healing the land. And so I want to, you know, we kind of use it in prayer meeting. You'll hear it like kind of thrown out there on the radio. And it's like, does anybody even know what that means? I know it's like kind of a cliche in Christian culture. But this is a serious, like if we do this, God will do his end of the deal. When the disciples gathered after the ascension of Jesus in Acts 1 and 2, they did this. And God began to heal the land. We call it revival. It's the same reality. They gathered, they humbled themselves, they prayed, they committed to the Lord, and a mass breakthrough touched the land of Israel. And it's sort of like the Lord goes, see what I did in Chronicles and in Acts? If you do this, I'll do it again. 
And so we want to look at this and we want to be instructed uh, by Scripture. And so let's just go down to the Second Chronicles passage. Let me read it. Second Chronicles 7, 12 through 14. I already hear screaming, so Mandy, be on your toes there. <laughs> it's only weird when there's no noise. Then you're like, oh, someone's in trouble. You learn that when you got kids. But so in Second Chronicles 7, 12 to 14, the Lord appears to Solomon by night. We're not exactly sure if it was a dream or like a, you know, a night vision. But the Lord says, Solomon, when you were at the temple, dedicating the temple, when, when you prayed that prayer, I heard that. And I just want you to know that in verse uh, 13, if there comes a time when there's no rain or there's locusts devouring the land or there's a plague or a pestilence, we're calling it a pandemic, but if any of those things happen, there's something you can do. And so I just, I, I so uh, think of the, the gracious nature of God because, you know, when you're king and you're responsible for people and, you know, you're in a situation over your head, like there's a plague or there's a pandemic, you kind of would like to know what to do. And God says, there is a way. If you will lead the people in this direction, I will shift what's happening circumstantially. Because God is ultimately sovereign. It's not man, it's not Satan, it's not angels. God is the one that controls the levers in the ultimate sense, and we can never get that backward. Some Christians have this view of the devil like he's equal with God, and sometimes the devil wins and the fallen angels get their way. God is sovereign over everything. And so he's basically saying, Solomon... I control these levers. I can do it and I can undo it if you will uphold your end of the deal. And then the famous passage, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from wicked ways, then, so it's an if then, if you do this, then I will do X, Y, Z. He says, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive sin, uh, their sin and heal their land. And so here's the thing, because I think there's a lot of confusion in contemporary Christianity about, well, it sounds like works. Well, here's the thing. There is so many things in the Bible that if we don't do what God asks us to do, we will not walk in the full blessing that God has promised. So his love for us is unconditional. So many other aspects of the kingdom and in our relationship with him are conditional. And so we have to, we have to grasp that he loves us like a father, whether we're as mature as Paul the Apostle or as immature as the most immature person out there. He has so much love for us. And it's not, it's not like, well, you had a bad day. I don't like you today. We do that, but God doesn't do that. He's this, his heart is like a blazing furnace of love for us, no matter what. But if we don't walk in obedience, we see a minimal amount of what he could have done in our life. That's very important to understand that a lot of the blessing and a lot of the secondary things are conditional, but his love is not. He, so he, he loves me when I'm strong one day and when I'm weak the next day, the love is the same. In fact, he loved me before I was saved. He loved you before you were saved. 
It says in uh, John 3.16 that God so loved the world, he sent his son. So he wasn't up there just only angry, like, oh, someone needs to do something. No, he just has such love. I'm going to send my best, my only son. And so we just have to make that mental leap to some things are conditional. My, my conviction is some of the things swirling around in the earth today can be minimized if the church responds a certain way. And that's why I'm giving this teaching. If we as a church in central Illinois choose to humble ourselves and pray, turn from compromise, God will shift things. It's very real. If we kind of go, eh, whatever, God's God, he'll do his thing, I really think stuff gets prolonged. And uh, we'll find out in heaven all the details, but this is something that we look at this and we go, God said it, I believe that. Now, I just threw in a few articles here uh, from the news. Um, If you just Google, just Google like 2020 plagues or 2020 locusts or 2020 fires, you will find just... Uh, it's it's everything is like at the highest level of unprecedented. There's one uh, one from the the UN and the uh, CNN that we're talking about as the pandemic kind of went across the earth. It pushed the most vulnerable in the earth, the poor of the earth, into further poverty, and they estimate it was in the hundreds of millions that were that were adversely affected by this pandemic. So people who are already poor, struggling, now they have even less food and water. The UN estimates that's in the hundreds of millions. It's not like 10 or 30. It's just this vast, unthinkable number. Um, There have been uh, locusts, literal locust plagues that have struck Africa that that journalists are calling, it's it's like the highest level, we're calling it biblical proportion locust plagues. You know, of course, the fires out west, those are unprecedented amounts of fires. And there's hurricanes at an extremely heightened level. All these things are crashing worldwide, and it's not just touching unbelievers or other religions. It's touching the church. And so when you see the, all these things escalating, you see all these, you know, what Jesus talked about, birth pangs. When you see it heightening, we as the church, we don't freak out and like go dig a hole and hide in the hole. No, we go, God's faithful. He's going to heal it completely when he returns. But before then, we contend for the land. And we believe for the very best for our cities and our nations because we know that the Lord is merciful. And sometimes he steps in, he allows pressure to open our hearts up a little bit. And then when we cry out to him, he comes and touches us with mercy and the things dissipate. He leads the earth this way and civilization because if it was only good always and always comfortable, we would never turn to him. The fact of the matter is biblically when it's hard, when we see pressures in the earth, that's when we ask deeper questions and that's when we turn to him more fervently. It, unfortunately, that's the peril of human nature. Human nature is a beautiful thing. We are, we are created in the image of God. But deep within us, the Bible calls it the mystery of iniquity. Deep within us, we, we I don't want God. And so the Lord says, I gotta, I'm going to turn up the locust a little bit. And then, then it, it will soften your heart again. 
You know, some, some will argue, well, why, why is God allowing coronavirus? Why is God, you know, if he was so loving, he would take away the fires and the locusts and the coronavirus. But what they're usually not thinking is he did take away 10,000 other things we're not aware of. So he allows three, he withholds thousands, and we never give him credit. But he's a genius. He knows exactly the financial, employment, a little bit of a virus, this and that. And people, uh, I see, okay, I, you're, you're opening my heart. I, I get it. And so this is an important hour for the church to get it right. The Lord is clearly moving us in a direction where we need to be more humble. We need to be more prayerful. And we need to be turning from compromise. Let's break this down a little bit. So we read the passage. There's a few things in the news. I just put four or five there. I encourage you, Google this stuff. I mean, if you just type in 2020 locusts, it's just, it's unreal. 2020 uh, virus. I saw before tonight, I just saw um, a tweet, someone who actually did an interview with me here at the House of Prayer. They moved to Chicago and they are a reporter in Chicago now. They said that... um, There's 10,000 coronavirus cases in Illinois just today. 10,000 just today in just Illinois. And I I think, oh my gosh, we have to... I I know that the media can hype things a little too far sometimes, but this is by no means fake. This is real. (laughs) You know, millions of people are affected. Hundreds of thousands have died. And so this is clearly one of those things. We don't act like it's not real, We go, God, you're sovereign. If we respond this way, we know how you'll respond. God says, if my people who are called by my name, and I explained this a little bit last week, this is a promise specific to Israel that also applies to believers because we name the name of Jesus. And so some people will split that theologically. They'll split that in half. This is basically God saying, here's what I'm like. If you're one of my people, and you do this, I'll heal the land. And so what's cool, though, is in the ultimate sense, Israel will do this, and they will call on the name of the Lord, and he will heal the land in a very permanent way. There are little versions of that that can happen in all the nations if we, if we take this serious. And I, I kind of have this dream one day where we're going to get like this big, you know, Philip Detweiler Park with all the believers in a huge radius around central Illinois and just pray and cry out to God. So just believe with that for me. One of these days, let's just get every believer in the region, get them down to Detweiler, get a stage and just worship our lungs out and just call on the Lord, see what he does in the city. Do that every couple of years or something. Man, I'd love to see that. So in uh, down to letter 3B, let's skip down there. Four things God's looking for. Four things. God says if, if crazy, plague-like, locusts, no rain, you know, fire, stuff like that, if that's happening, humble yourself, pray, seek my face, turn from wicked ways. I'm going to touch on these real quick because we don't have that much time. Humility is probably one of the it is one of the most clear evidences that someone is maturing. That they are, you can see in their life, they're becoming more and more of a humble spirit 
instead of always arguing, always negative, unwilling to serve, unteachable. There's a number of traits that are consistent with arrogance, and there are a number of traits that are consistent with humility. This is probably one of the most important realities in Scripture, is that if we're following Jesus, who is the most humble man to ever live, he was at the highest, he went the lowest, he's been given the greatest name, If we're following Jesus, the most humble man to ever live, we will be getting more humble. If we're not, something's wrong. Because if if we say, I'm following Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the most humble man to ever live, who died for our sins on the cross of Calvary, if we're not seeing him rightly, we won't be getting more humble. And so the Lord says, I value humility intensely. And so... If you guys will be willing to humble yourselves as a way of life, step one, add prayer to that. Humble yourselves. Pray. Prayer is to be normative. Some people treat prayer like it's this exceptional thing. Oh, you guys are those house of prayer people. No, this is just Jesus. This is just basic Christianity. We're called to pray. I think of it like this, and, and you know, uh, the Souders will figure this out. You know, when you get married, you know, you know I mean, not, not when you get married. I mean, even when you're engaged, when, even before you're engaged, you enjoy talking to each other because you like each other. That's just normal. If you never talked, we'd be like, that's a little weird. You never talk. You know, when you have a healthy relationship with God, you talk to God. God talks to you. It's called prayer. And so when... God's people aren't praying. It's, a, it's an indication of an unhealthy uh, connection. And so prayer is supposed to be fundamental. It's not supposed to be viewed as like, oh my gosh, that's the guy that prays. By no means. God says, I want you to seek my face. Basically, what that means is putting a pursuit of him as first in our life. Above career, above money, above every other relationship, God is to be number one, and our pursuit to know Him more intimately or personally is to be number one. Doesn't mean we, you know, spend 24 hours a day with Him. We we have to, you know, do our job, pay our bill, love our spouse and kids, all of that. But that's to be number one. It really is. And when it is number one, life just works. Doesn't mean it's easy, but it works. When when seek. The face of God is number 10 on the list. We run into issues. I think it's very uh, interesting that, that throughout Scripture we're called to seek my face or seek the face of God. And what that really means is, is you know, when you think of looking at someone's face, you see their facial expressions, you see what they look like. You, you, it's a, it's, the idea is personality or you see them for who they are. You know, if I'd never seen my wife's face, I'd be like, that's a little, little interesting, <laughs> you know. But to seek the face of somebody is to, to want to know them or to get to know them. Like, not just their words, but what do they look like when they say stuff? You, you know them the most. You hear their tone. You see their expressions. I think we're going to get to heaven, and we're going we're gonna to see the face of God literally, and we're going to see the tone of his, or we're going to hear the tone of his words and see how he expresses himself. And we're going to go, oh, now that verse makes sense because he didn't say it mean. You said it kind of like laughing. Oh, I get that now. So we're going to talk with Jesus, and he's going to be right there, and I'm right here. And he's going to say, well, this is what I meant by that. And we're going to see his face as he says it. And we're going to, it wasn't stern, it was like joyful. 
I mean, so many people read scripture and they're like, ooh, that sounds mean. And I feel like the Lord's in heaven going, I was just kind of kidding, but serious, but ha- having fun. And they just made it like I was being mean. Now, s- some verses are very serious, but others are just so lighthearted that it's like we, we got to, you know. But anyway, that's the point. It's like seek to know my face as much as you can. Understand there's facial expressions, there's tonation, there's other things than just my black and white and red word. And we get to find out about that in heaven in fullness. But he says, go after me, learn of me personally. And then he adds on there, turn from your compromises. You know, we all have faults, we all fail, we all fall short. God says, you know what, I get it, you're human. I was, I was there for a few years, I, I sympathize, I, I get it. You, you get tempted, you, you fail, you stumble, but just repent and get back in the game. Say you're sorry, tell a brother or sister, and just go for it. I love in James 5, 15 to 16, you know, we always talk about the powerful prayer part of verse 16, but in verse 15, it says, have someone pray for you, your sins will be forgiven, confess one to another, and then he says, then your prayers are powerful. Paraphrase, that was the DKV there. But I think we're just so afraid of what people will think of us if we open up at a little deeper level that we miss so much of the blessing of being transparent. And anytime I've, I've opened up and shared, you know, what, what I stumbled into or fell into or this or that, I've always felt closer to people and my, my life was more authentic. And so never be afraid to open up deeper. Uh, I've been in ministry for 20 years now. full-time for about seven, and what, what's very normal for people to do, it's, just very, it's human nature, is when we get to know each other, we share about that much, and we get to know each other a little more, we share a little bit more, and we share a little bit more. <laughs> Finally, like, here's the last thing, you know, if you, if you still like me after I share this, then we're really friends, and I just think we just need to get better at, you know, more quickly just saying, here's who I am, I'm not hiding anything, just blah, here I am, take it or leave it. And then that, then you get, you know, spiritual family happens. So the Lord is just saying, be humble, pray, seek my face, and turn from compromises. This, this, a, a people that will do that, that's what I call church right there. Those will be close to one another and to the Lord. Nowhere in there does he say, be perfect. No, nowhere in there does he say, you know, stop sinning, you know, one sin and I'm done with you. He gets it. But he says, head this direction, head toward humility, head toward prayer, seek my face, turn from compromises. Now we get down to number four here. I'll bring this to a close quickly. God says, if you will make an effort to head that direction, you and a people then here's what I'll do. I will hear you. I will hear from heaven, which means I'll, I'll begin to answer your prayers. Imagine if in the region, the Lord just says, I'm going to start answering all those prayers for salvation, for revival, for restored families, for this, all these other things, prodigals coming home, all the prayers we've ever prayed that are kind of sitting in the bowl or whatever, if the Lord says, okay, now here's the season where I'm just going to begin to answer them. That's what we're really believing for, those long-awaited prayers. 
to begin to be answered in abundance. That's what he's talking about. I will hear from heaven. If you set your heart in that direction, I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins. So many people, so many believers in our churches today, they have this guilt inside that they should be over that one issue already. But when God begins to break through, he sets us free from those besetting sins. And we begin to experience a deeper level of freedom. And then the prodigals start coming home. Then the lost begin getting saved. This really needs to happen in our community. I'm so grateful for the hundreds of churches. Right now, what we're really seeing is the, the, the hundreds of churches in the area and the you know, tens of thousands in America were basically like holding the line. You know, we're being faithful, we're preaching the gospel, we're praying. There's like a certain line being held because the church exists. But there is a whole other level of breakthrough answers to prayer, prodigals coming in regularly, lost coming in regularly, um, the, you know, people getting set free at deeper levels. Like that, that's just not happening in an overt every single church in the city kind of way, but it will if and when we get in line with the value system God's talking about here. Another way you could say this is basically living the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus's just a clear, if you live this way, you'll live in the blessing of God. Poverty of spirit, meekness, all these different ways, you know, uh, if you have mercy, I'll have mercy on you. Though Living those certain ways is another way to describe this message. I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and then the one we always like to quote, I will heal their land. Now, I love to dream about, what does that mean? What if God healed central Illinois? Like, he doesn't just say, I'll heal bodies or raise a couple people from the dead. I'd love that to happen. What does God healing the land look like? What does, what does it mean where it's like, you know, not just at a service, a few people gets healed, but God stretches his hand and a geographic area comes under the healing power and presence of God. You know, there are places where they say that, you know, they call it a transformed city where there were cities in the earth where they prayed and they fasted and they sought God and there was an overt breakthrough for a season of time. And, you know, some reverted back, others it's still kind of going. But I think of if this is possible, if, if there was a possibility that in central Illinois, God would stretch forth his hand and release power and, Lord, heal that cell phone. <laughs> And he would release his presence on an entire geographic region. It's like, okay, in other words, let's not just believe for the house of prayer or the local church here and there, but for God to do something on a citywide level where everything is impacted. And I love this passage because it kind of lifts our perspective Let's not just believe for me or my family or my ministry or our church or that, our denomination. Why can't we believe on a citywide or a, a regional or even, even a nation being touched? God says, I'll do that. And, and, and then some would think, well, yeah, but we don't have enough people to really make a meaningful you know, impact. And we got to remember 
The same God who spoke to Abraham and Abraham kept saying, you know, oh, what about if 50 people were in the land? I wouldn't judge it. What about, you know, 40, 30? And he goes all the way down to 10. God says, if there's, an, if there's just 10 righteous people in the land, I wouldn't judge that land. I have a feeling that if just a, a few people will say, Lord, make me more humble, give me the grace for prayer once a week or twice a month or once a month, whatever, help me to prioritize the seeking of your face. Help me to live this way. Help me to live New Testament following Jesus uh, kind of Christianity. Help me to turn from my compromises when I, when I make mistakes and help me to, to live out a repentant life. If I could help, you know, move people or, you know, the Holy Spirit's the one that does it, but if I could help point us that direction, I'm confident just a few of us could help turn the ship and us see what God would do in a, in a region. Before I close here, I just want to uh, uh, throw out a kind of a something I sensed from the Lord, but in this uh, difficult year that we've had, you know, everything's been shut down, it's been crazy. Um, I just feel like the Lord whispered to my heart to keep dreaming those big dreams um, and not to let go because nothing has changed in God's mind. You know, maybe you have a personal dream or a promise the Lord has spoken to you. Don't let those die just because everything looks harder. God's dream, you know, the dreams he spoke to you or the things he's whispered to your heart, that doesn't go away. And this is a time where we need dreamers and we need believers and we need people who will go, you know what, I envision a day where there's an open heaven in the region. And I envision a day where we're going to go to parks and there's no room at the park because there's so many people praying and worshiping. We got to stay across the street. There's just too many people. And we're going to have to find a bigger park. And I envision a day where the, the presence and power of God is manifested where everybody gets healed. You know, people who snuck in with coronavirus, they weren't supposed to. They leave without coronavirus. Now, we need to have common sense. We need to, you know, be precautious. But I'm, I'm believing for a day that, I mean, why not? Why not central Illinois? Why can't we see this stuff? Why does it always have to be back then, that story we read about or some other country? Why can't it be right where we live? And I'm confident there will come a day where people in all the different nations of the world will go, something's happening in central Illinois that I want to be a part of. And it's going to be bigger than one ministry. It's going to be bigger than one church or one denomination. It's going to be the whole citywide church just loves each other and is believing for one another. Uh-oh, what happened there? Okay. <laughs> Stop, preacher man, it's over. You're going too long. We're cutting you off. Why can't we see this stuff? Why can't we keep believing and dreaming? That's what I felt the Lord whispered to my heart. Just wanted to share that. And we'll end right there. You guys have been very patient. Let me go ahead and just say amen, amen, and I'll pray. Father, we've listened to your uh, word and we've read your scriptures. And so right now, Father, we're asking that you would make this real to our hearts. Help us to be a people who humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, God. And we trust that you will hear from heaven and forgive our sin and heal the land. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, 
please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.